This is The Extra Mile. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to The Extra Mile. I'm Justin Duncan. I'm always here with the G5. The G5. That was too fast. The G5. There we go. That's better. Let's Hi, get it right. The first How are you this morning? Time. I'm pretty good. I am pretty good. What well, I, for those listeners, you weren't here. We actually uh, deleted the first take of this, uh, which is fine. But uh, we are trying a new format here. Uh, George and I have just enjoyed a little breakfast. Thank you for the burrito, George. Hey, you're welcome. And uh, the coffee is poured, and uh, we have uh, just a, a time that's is set, and uh, we're going to set the clock now. Twenty minutes. Boom. And uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk about the Bible, and we're gonna talk about life, and. Uh, I want to know more about your your sermon that you oh, man. preached on Sunday. I thought it was fantastically said. You had a, a lot of great points, and uh, having a conversation about it. What leads you to writing a sermon? What leads me to writing a sermon? Uh, well, your job. That's a okay. I answered my own question. What uh, What inspires you whenever you're writing a sermon? <laughs> the Bible. No, <laughs> that's a um, great point. Um, and and life, pretty much, just like we try to do on this podcast. I don't know. Um, I don't really, so this is just me. So if you're writing a Devo, if you go to church, you're writing a sermon or something, don't do what I do, do what works for you. I think that's number one important, but, um, and by all means, I am not, I'm not the best at all. I just try to get by. But what I do is throughout the entire week, I am, I don't listen, I don't really read commentary, but I consume a lot of different things like whether it be podcasts or I'm constantly reading something or I have a notebook I keep with me. It's in my office right now. And I observe life and I just write down little tidbits of, of wisdom or things that people did or what they said. And it goes in my sermon. And then I add my own stuff, my own twist to it as well. Um, I don't take anything from someone. I'm not trying to steal a point. I don't steal someone else's point. But I'll use what they, what they said, um, or what they did to help understand a biblical idea, and then I pick out, you know, I, I find a text that seems to go well that, and I, I just break it down, I spend time underlining and circling and all that stuff. Um, you should get the journal. ESV Bibles are really cool because I think I gave you one. Yeah, you did. You have text on one side and just lines to write in on the other side. Super nice and convenient. And then I transfer all of that and I write. I basically, this one was 12 pages. No, 13 pages. A 13-page sermon. Usually it's 10 to 13. And that gets me between anywhere between 25 and 30. Well, this one was actually my longest sermon. So how long have you been preaching? Uh, three years. Yeah. So when you first started versus now, what are some of the big takeaway points that you've learned of, hey, I did this great, these are my strengths, boy, I really need to improve here, this is what I've really improved? I don't know. It, it, you, you watch yourself, you just may try to make adjustments as you can. Nate made a really good analogy when he was teaching me. I've never played golf, but it, it somehow it resonated with me. Preaching and trying to hone in on that craft not so that you can look good, but so you can present an understanding, a sermon. Uh, you can glorify God and, and that understanding and give it to the people. Um, it's kind of like swinging, pre- practicing your golf swing. 
he says, you know, it's gonna, it's never going to be 110% perfect, but you're always changing something, you're always refining something, or you notice you loosen up on one thing, and you need to go back and, and change and, and, you know, redo that again, so that you can just get better at it. Um, and that's just kind of preaching and, and writing sermons is, you find old habits come back, or you make new habits, you got to totally redefine those. I just like writing. Writing's my favorite thing. And uh, if I could write the sermons and someone else could give them, oh, that'd be better. But, but that's not the case. I know just from being in the audience, listening to your sermons, yeah, you've gotten much more refined and your points come more smoothly. And uh, your your passion has always been there. I think that's a strength for you. Really? Is that passion? Yeah. <clears throat> Where you, you're able to you're able to really dig deep into emotions that uh, a lot of people, you know, it, it, it can easily turn into uh, being fabricated from the pulpit, but yours are very genuine, and I think it reads really well. Um, that's, that's so neat, because whenever I am contemplating my own teaching, which, you know, I'm, I'm very much a student of the Bible, uh, and I've enjoyed being asked to teach the Bible classes here, because it induces study. It has, you have to present material, and uh, I'm not really one to uh, take somebody else's material uh, and just sort of copy and paste it. I really want to formulate my own thoughts. Yeah, and, 100%. And so, and there was there was a time there, uh, I know during the pandemic, it was just sort of dire where uh, I know that uh, Nate, one of the teachers here, had gotten uh, COVID, and he was out. He got long COVID, and it was pretty bad. And uh, for the month of November, essentially, an entire month, I basically was the only teacher. Yeah, I remember that. And um, we were talking the about the Beatitudes, which is the from the lesson of the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus talks about. And, uh, he, you know, Nate basically was like, well, I was going to do, you know, like a four-lesson study on the Beatitudes, and now I'm sick. So can you do it? I said, yeah, I can do it. Send me some material. And... I I told I confessed I have read it I even recorded it for the Bible readings here at the congregation but oh, I wow. do, I don't understand them I, and I the didn't. beatitudes or his sir? the beatitudes a, okay like I just didn't get it uh, I mean I know what it says yeah blessed are these people blessed are the meek because they inherit the earth whatever yeah and it wasn't really dismissive it was just sort of like I I completely understand that I don't understand what he's talking about and then taking Nate's notes it was very enlightening. And uh, to basically say the thesis of that being that the Beatitudes themselves are Jesus opening the, the curtain and letting you view what life is like as a changed person. And so uh, Denny Boyles was a brilliant man. Yeah. And when he and I were chatting, I co-taught a class with him. Um, that's uh, I put that in air quotes for those who aren't watching the video, uh, because um, you know what teaching could I do? I was more of co-learning. I was learning under him, and then I was also giving lectures, which may or may not have uh, been beneficial to the class. But I learned so much from his main thesis. He was the head teacher of that class, and he basically said that there is a spiritual mindset when it comes to living for Christ, and that one of the theses of the Bible is to change. That's, you know, the concept of repentance is that you put away the old man, but it's not just in behavior. 
the change comes from thinking differently about the world. And that's not really given as a thou shalt think differently about the world. But when you really ruminate over the things that Jesus did, the disciples and his instruction toward the disciples, and then after Jesus had ascended to heaven after his resurrection, we have the doctrine of Christ being fleshed out among his followers. Yeah. And when you're able to put all of that in, into one concept, it's, uh, it's a change from our nature being born, where God recognized that early on in, in the creation of the world, that mankind is evil from its beginning. Their heart is set on evil continually. <laughs> <laughs> and that with Christ and with the love of God, which you taught me that in one of these episodes, 1 Corinthians 13, where God being love, we have to go back to God. And that's what the Beatitudes are for. The Beatitudes are a, a signpost journey of putting on these things, considering and changing. And once you're through that journey of self-reflection, uh, righteousness, pursuing righteousness, and then putting to death the old you, that you now have this new concept of looking at life. That's very meta, and it's probably something that we can't flesh out in the next 11 minutes, but... Um, no, I, I know what you're saying. I, mean, I, I really like what you're saying. Uh, that's really good. The Beatitudes, so me and a group of guys are trying to memorize it, and uh, Matthew chapter 5, and it's just when you memorize it, you, which I encourage everyone to do, you get his cadence in a sense, yeah. and his tone, and, oh, there's a joke there. Oh, oh, he's serious there. And um, it's really, it's really neat, and it changes the whole text for you. But like you're saying, it all starts with the idea of repentance. One can't enter Matthew 5 without first reading what Jesus was saying before Matthew 5. Right. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or is near. Repentance comes with this idea that, like you're saying, change. And I'm changing the way I think, the way I act. I'm going inward. I'm changing my soul. There's a sorrowness, excuse me, there's a sorrowness there. But there's also a joy there. Right. It's a, a beautiful combination of both. Um and it's going to help us see Matthew 5 in a better light. And the Beatitudes, this isn't my material, but uh, I thought this was really good when someone had said this. So if you hadn't, it uh, would encourage you. But those verses 3 through 10, it's almost a way of maturing. Right? It's a starting place and then an ending place. And you go through these, and it's almost like steps. So blessed are the poor in spirit that's not all that's all of us when we are repenting or trying to change blessed are those who mourn there's the idea of sadness but i'm gonna go for i'm gonna go forward the gods there that come from me second corinthians chapter one blessed are the meek right, now i'm gonna practice that idea of you know peace you know being agreeable and, and what we see in uh, Philippians chapter 4, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. I'm diving into the scriptures. I'm reading. I'm, I'm trying to apply what I'm learning from Jesus. I'm hungry. I'm thirsting for these things. Blessed are the merciful. I'm not going to go and seek vengeance because vengeance is God's. Blessed are the pure in heart. 
So now I'm going to, you know, really try to work on that. I have purity and draw closer to God. And then the peacemakers and plus are the peace makers. That idea of makers is super key there because it's not just one seeking peace as we saw from the meek, but it's one actually making peace. And now he's engaging in relationships. Now he's really trying to help others find peace as well. And it doesn't matter what happens, verse 10, you will be persecuted. And if you are persecuted for righteousness, just like verse 1, it's two bookends. The kingdom of heaven belongs to them. It's a really good picture of what the Christian life should should look like in growth and maturity, spiritual maturity, and that all starts with that idea of repentance and change. That's so amazing. I mean, and I, I know that uh, verse 7 really speaks out to me, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Yeah. Christ's teaching when it comes to that, um, it... it it seems shocking, and that's one of the more appealing things about Christianity and Christ's teaching to me, is that the world teaches eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, and indeed the old law was very much like that. And right. how, what a radical change to say uh, that later in Christ's work, in his opus, he is talking about forgiveness. And if someone has a debt to you, uh, I mean having the the concept of forgiveness and when you forgive others you in turn will receive forgiveness that's so different from the world the world was about uh, almost a zero-sum game if you cut off my arm well guess what we're going to hold you down and there goes your arm because that's fair and the world is it, it needs more fairness but then kind of that spiritual thinking that Denny always talked about was putting on the new man. And so for me, that just seems to be that this whirlpool effect of, you know what, there's so much in this book, you have to keep digesting it every day. And you have to write it on your heart. And then it's not being um, deceived by it. It's, there's nothing deceptive in the Bible. There's nothing empowering to evil-hearted people. It's the exact opposite. It's looking at the things of the world that can harm us. And they mean very little once you understand that righteousness and love and making peace and uh, mercy, being pure in heart, for they shall see God. Anyway, the it's it's too much to flesh out in the, in the short time period that we've allotted here, but that's one of the more appealing things constantly. Whenever you're in the world, in the day to day, in the grind, things are frustrating you. People are uh, people are disrupting your life by their decisions. We all have to interact in this matrix of of frustration, and well, we all want our things, and we all have our desire, we all have our families. And, uh, and I always go back to the better way. I don't want to live like that in the world because it's too harmful. It's too destructive. It's, it always leads to war. It always leads to chaos and frustration and murder and hatred and theft. And to be, to be drawn into the appeal of peace and understanding, um, I'm very much reminded of like Mr. Rogers type people where we always want to look at a situation where Oh, there's a there's a car wreck and there's uh, there's people being beaten and then uh, I know his mother always told him to look for the helpers. 
And that's such a, a beautiful way of looking at life. Look at the people who are trying to help, yeah. trying to bring peace, trying to bring uh, enlightenment when it comes to thought. There's the ones you work for. Have you? Did you watch that movie that Tom Hanks was in when he played Mr. Rogers? Mm -hmm. I, there's a book that I read about Mr. There's Rogers. A book. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed the movie. I, I don't know. Anyway, uh, I know some people didn't, but I really did. And I know a lot of people were upset by the ending where it ends with him. So when he was really frustrated, he would pull all that frustration out on the piano. And he would mm. be like, boom, 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 boom. I don't know if that's true, but in the movie, that's what he does. And it ends with that idea. He just finishes the show. He just showed all this kindness and this idea of peace. Um, and then after everyone leaves and the set's all closed, he goes to the piano. And he's boom, 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 boom. And he just hits he just hits those keys real hard. And it ends not with what you would see or understand Mr. Rogers to be on TV, but with him trying to be who you see him to be, mm -hmm. if that makes any sense. Yeah. And that really resonated with me because that should be all of us. I loved that ending. That's how every movie should end. It's no one is perfect. You know, even Mr. Rogers, but we're trying, and, Absolutely. and there's frustration there, and what you saw on TV and what we try to imitate, what we try to, you know, practice in Matthew 5 versus those verses there is really trying and practicing those things, and there's that daily frustration where sometimes we just got boom, 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 boom on the keys, and let our frustration. I know I, I always want to behave like I have that camera on me. And uh, even, you know, imparting that to my own children just to say, hey, you know, this happened. We caught you in a small fib or, hey, we, we, we've seen the trash that you forgot to throw away. Uh, you obviously got in the cabinet when you weren't supposed to. And, um, and give them time to reflect and just to say, I didn't see you. It was just you by yourself alone, oftentimes in the dark, uh, after we've all gone to bed. And I said, uh, well, you know, God sees that. And uh, we forget that. We always want to feel alone. Jonah obviously felt that as well in his own story where he ran the opposite direction of Nineveh when he was commanded to go. Um, it didn't end too well for him uh, physically. But it ended up very well spiritually for him. Uh, being swallowed by a whale is not something I looked forward to, or rather a large fish, whatever it was. Oh, true. But um, we can't hide from God. In the darkest places, his light will still shine, and we being a reflection of that light, uh, that's where I want to dwell. I want to dwell in the light. Um, so anyway, we're uh, about out of time for this session, George. Really? Yeah, we can wrap it up. We'll start a new one, I think. Well, I like the format. I'll just end with this idea real quick. Um, I had a, a so much. So what if it's a little a few minutes off, man? I was looking. This is a really weird thought, but take it as you will. And, you know, we always try to find or, or look at ourselves and our inner man. And, that you know, you look in a mirror and you can see yourself. That's fine. But I was looking at my daughter's eyes the other day. And I, you know, you've always noticed this, but you can see yourself in the, their eyes in the reflection of their eyes and it just hit me it's like wow i can see myself in my daughter's eyes as she's making a memory of me which begged me the question who am i and uh 
uh, really put a lot of emphasis on what you're talking about, having integrity. Because she's looking at me, and God's looking at me. Who do I need to be? Not just in her eyes, but God's eyes as well. And uh, it put it put a lot of pressure on me as well to, I guess like we're saying, to re- try to be better, to repent. Um, to me, that's where I saw my true self uh, in my daughter's eyes. Anyway, that's cheesy, but... No, it's beautiful, truly, because I feel it with my own kids. And, uh, and I think that is a universal feeling. We're not yeah. islands. None of us are by ourselves. Uh, you know, and even if you are by yourself, not listening to the podcast because you're on a desert island or something, um, you're in God's creation and you're not alone. And um, those are comforting thoughts. But I, what a complex web that we weave whenever we're trying to talk about the things of life and what life throws at us. And um, anyway, uh oh. There's the timer. There's the timer. Well, well, like always, you know, take what you can out of this episode. Hope it encourages you. Remember to change, always change, but grow with that change as well. I think that's really important. Um, and of course, like always, go so.